welcome to the Quality of Being podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Ferris. Today, my guest is Rochelle Sheik, a most wonderful person and the founder of Koya, a movement practice for women based around dance. It's designed to help women remember that their essence is wise, wild, and free, and to embody the sacred. The focus of this podcast is not to talk too much in this case about Koya or what the person does, but more about their experiences, how they create a life that is fulfilling and purposeful, and more of the behind-the-scenes perspective of what it means to them to be. In our culture, we tend to value external measures of success, like fame, wealth, and status, but I'm more curious about creating a life that is more meaningful and purposeful and cultivating that feeling from within. So then, what does that actually feel like and look like? And what do our outward actions look like when we're living from that place rather than solely chasing an external goal? Rochelle is very wise and has lots of incredible wisdom to share. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and let me know what you think. So I'm interested in like, you know, covering those things and kind of sharing an alternate perspective of Mm -hmm. people that I find that I feel like really embody the characteristics of creating a life that's really meaningful and purposeful. Um, and have tools to kind of manage that as they go. Um, and, but focusing more on like what mm-hmm. they actually do rather right. than how they be rather than mm-hmm. what they achieve. Mm. So that's kind of my behind the, behind the scenes, what I've been thinking about. Well, I'm really grateful that you're exploring it for yourself and then bringing it forward for a bigger conversation. Cause I think this is, you know, in the center of a lot of people's minds and hearts is like, is, is basically the question, like, is it possible? Mm -hmm. You know? And I feel like a lot of people give up and it's like, okay, no, I just have to sacrifice here. Like I'm going to compartmentalize my work from my play or, you know, but there's so many people who I would say just about everyone that I'm interacting with that has a, has a, has like a call inside of them of something they want to create. And, and one of the biggest things is like, am I going to be able to sustain myself if I follow the soul calling to create in the world? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it is really interesting because we are navigating all these co-occurring realities of our spiritual awareness and then simultaneously like electric bills. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know how do you, how do you how do you find that? And I think for me one of the things that I really encourage people to look at is their belief system like do you believe that it's possible? Mm-hmm. And um and I can really relate like the essence of what I do um with Koya which is predominantly a movement system but it's sort of like the movement system is what it is on a surface level but the whole point is that through movement you remember the essence of who you are and the physical sensation of truth and that becomes the way in which you navigate through the world Mm -hmm. so you know it might look like oh we're doing yoga or we're doing dance but the truth is it's really about reclaiming agency so a big part of the movement practice is it doesn't matter what it looks like and it's all about how it feels and there's mm. no way you can do it wrong and the way you know you're doing it right is that it feels right to you so for me koya and the work that i do is really a school of internal validation and the reason i do it is really because I feel like there's all these humans that have all these soul callings, but they're not going to have the cultural, societal, maybe family, friend support to listen to them. And so they're going to need to know what that like zing of truth is in their body. So I'm really like, like it might look like, oh, we're doing yoga and dance, but I'm really trying to train like a soul army of people who have internal validation Mm -hmm. because I believe like just getting right to like the essence of this question. Yeah. That for me, success is when you have the capacity to honor what's true for you. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people that have a lot more money than me and they do not have time and they do not have choice. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the decisions they make are in, in places of obligation. And of course, it's like I have obligations as well. But the place in which where my obligations don't sacrifice my authenticity or my connection to myself. And I, 
I do my best <laughs> to align my life in that way. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to as a society for us to collectively reorganize our systems in a way that really support and encourage people to stay true to themselves. Mm. Because it's sort of like, if you just ask someone, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm working so much. I don't have any free time, you mm. know, but I'm making good money. And, you know, it's like, you know, I barely have time to eat dinner. I'm just like so busy. And it's like, it's kind of like, oh yeah, totally get it. You know, like the grind, you mm -hmm. know. And then if you talk to someone else and they're just like, you know, I feel so clear. I'm so focused. Like, um, I'm pursuing this thing. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm just staying true to myself. I'm eating really good food. I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things. Like you might get like a few eye rolls. Like who is this like wishful thinker? And again, it depends what circles you're in, but I'm just saying I'm really excited for more and more of us to support and encourage because it's like how one individual is, is a reflection of how relationships are, which is a reflection of how organizations are and communities and societies. And if we have a bunch of people that gave up on the idea that they could embody their soul and stay true to themselves, what are the consequences of that that really ripple out in so many other societal problems where people are going against their true nature? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so, so important. Um, I'm wondering, like, you know, I really loved your definition of success, which mm -hmm. is, can you say it again? Yeah. Do you remember what you said? I was like, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. I think, I mean, the essence of it is where success is staying true to yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate on mm -hmm. what does that look like from right. a practical standpoint? Totally. So I think about it in the ways that, uh, let's say like a business opportunity comes to me and, and the numbers look great. Mm -hmm. It mentally is stimulating, but there's like something in my body that like does not feel right. Mm -hmm. And so I have a choice. I either say yes to it and I run the experiment out and um, either have an affirmation of my intuition that I wish I wouldn't have done this in the first place. Um, you know, and that's normally how that plays out for me. Everyone mm -hmm. should do their own experiments. <laughs> I was like, or I could just say no and, you know, just say this, this doesn't align for me right now. And, and I think the thing for me to elaborate on what success is, is that success for me doesn't mean that like I did or I didn't make a decision and all these amazing things happened. It's like, oh, success for me is the fact that when I was making the decision, I stayed true to myself. Hmm. So when I say to people about this path, I'm like, I'm not saying like you're going to get this opportunity and like you're going to follow the truth in your body. And that means it's going to be all this money or you're mm -hmm. going to meet your soulmate or like there's all these things. I do believe there is a wave of synchronicity and magic that follows the truth in the body. But the reward is that you made a decision from a place of authenticity and integrity. That's the success mm. is that you conceptualized that there was space for you in this world to stay true to yourself. And that's the success moment. And then because it's like, when we're making decisions that bring us farther away from ourselves, it's usually this idea that we're going to get something. But like you said in your intro, and it's so common, it's like, I don't know that we even want the thing is we want how we think we're going to feel mm. when we get the thing. Yeah. But so many times we don't get that because we completely sacrificed the truth of who we are. And are you ever really going to be like, have a sense of fulfillment from when you've neglected the core essence of recognizing self, mm -hmm. I've, I've never seen that happen. <laughs> so again, like I'm a really keen, like observer of people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my philosophies just came from like watching people be really miserable mm -hmm. and realize like, okay, there's gotta be another way. And then just giving my life as an experiment of what worked for me. And then really encouraging other people to do an experiment and notice, like notice how you feel. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that success for me, it's, it's that an example of it. It's that moment when you're making a decision where you stay true to yourself and it's the correction of the thinking that somehow, okay, like if I, if I stay true to myself, then everything great's going to happen. It's like, no, there's going to be challenges mm-hmm. on either path. There's going to be blessings on mm-hmm. either path. Just let the challenge not be that you went against yourself and let the blessing be that you that you recognize yourself, honored yourself, and lived a path that was truly yours. It's like in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm paraphrasing, but like it's better to fail miserably at your own dharma, your own path, than it is to be wildly successful at someone else's. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, I think that's that's really wonderful and um i feel like it's spot on for me mm-hmm. certainly just in my own experience um you know following a following a path that i thought was what was supposed mm-hmm. to be done or what what i thought would bring me success of some kind um or fulfillment of some kind mm-hmm. um and but like when i when i hear you say like being authentic in in integrity and and being true to yourself mm-hmm. Um, you know, at some point in our life, we might not know what that means. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do what you need to do and you keep in, exactly. the, in the thing until you figure that out. Um, but in the moment that it becomes clear, you know, working in a certain way, you know, it could be anything. Um, in my experience, like being in an office in front of a computer has not, <laughs> you know, that's what I've done that I realized that, um, you know, that's not being true to myself mm-hmm. like that really doesn't work for me in the way that I've been asked to do that so I guess I'm just kind of offering that as like you know it sounds like a very grand thing mm-hmm. or it sounds like it could be a specific thing what you're saying but really it's like in any given situation does this work for me or right or not yeah and I would say I'm so glad you said that because it's, you know, we want to be compassionate with ourselves and sometimes we don't actually know how we feel, which is sort of another thing and why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. But it's um, the main reasons we don't know how we feel are usually like exhaustion and, and numbness. Mm. So it's like if we're so busy that we don't have time or practices to reflect or we don't have a sense of embodiment where there's a physical sensation that can come through and it's all mental because the mental can super hijack like all the justifications of why something is a good idea, even though it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And so part of this path in my perspective is that it really requires some spaciousness, you know, it, like when you're making decisions and again, everyone can do that differently. It's like you can go to the gym, you can rock climb, you can take a bath at the end of the day. Um, you can pull an Oracle card. You can, you know, like just, it's just, it's whatever works for each individual, but Mm -hmm. just to realize like, it's not like, it's not some magical, elusive, hard to access thing, but it takes time and it takes sensation. So for, in my perspective, it's like, okay, I'm trying to make a decision, you know, and then I would say also like in terms of time, it just takes as long as it takes. Right. It's like, you know, we can pray for answers. We've all had those things, right? What do I do about this relationship or this Mm -hmm. job? And, uh, but just the willingness to say like when, when it's clear, like a prayer I often have with spirit is I'll just say like, if you tell me what to do, like if the message is clear, I'll do it. Like I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. But like, if it's going to be all confusing and cryptic, like, you know, my hands are tied a little bit, but I'll do my part. Like I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll eat healthy food. I'll exercise. I'll meditate. I'll pull Oracle cards. (laughs) I will, you know, I I will do the things that I know how to do. Mm -hmm. But I guess I just say that when I notice a lot of people who feel very disconnected or confused, they're also usually very, very um, exhausted and busy. Hmm. And so just to like, it's good. I think it's difficult to move forward and not actually give yourself time. Mm-hmm. Well, man, there's so many questions that I want to go through <laughs> this, but I feel like this, you know, I've heard you, you say in some of the other, Mm-hmm. interviews that um and that's been really important for you is creating a space for deep inquiry to happen mm-hmm. so um 
I'm curious if you have, like, how can you do that in your life if you're exhausted or, you know, if you're just trying to, trying to get something deeper out of life? Right. You know, what would be a, a first step? I think a first step is sleep, (laughs) honestly, because so many people are exhausted. There's this book called Daring to Rest. It's by Karen Brody. And she's just like, you know, the next version of like empowerment is going to be like the well-rested human. And, and I think it's just like take a moment and notice how well your relationships go, your communication goes, your creativity goes when you are so like exhausted to the bone. Like what is the quality that you're bringing to the world and what is your experience of yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually it's lackluster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but sometimes people, they're so exhausted that it's like, again, it's like one of those societal things where it's like socially acceptable to be really exhausted and almost competitive. Mm. Like, oh, you're tired? Well, I got up at 5 a.m. and <laughs> right. I did this. And, and so I feel like sleep is sacred and I feel like you just have to rest until you're rested. Mm-hmm. Because I, I know lots of people like life coaches, nutritionists who won't even work with people until they manage their sleep because mm. there's no point. It's like mm-hmm. you're you're like operating at such like a small fraction of your capacity because of your exhaustion. So this is so I'm like, first thing, sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ariana Huffington wrote that whole book, Thrive, about sleeping as well. So it's like that's one thing. The other thing I would say is like find something that truly, truly, truly nourishes you and know that it will change. So sometimes people are like, I'm going to force myself to have a meditation practice that I suffer through. And it actually (laughs) feels like nails on a chalkboard (laughs) as I'm sitting there, but then it's going to help me, you know, but it's like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying like, stop your meditation practice, but I'm just saying like, notice, I mean, maybe it's like run for an hour before your meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's some meditation teachers that are even saying like sitting is the new smoking. Like if you have a fully sedentary lifestyle, I don't know that a sitting meditation practice mm-hmm. is the thing for you. Like maybe we need to get you on an elliptical. Maybe we need you on a nature walk. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like the answer, to the question of like, how do you create space for deep inquiry is the way that works for you. And so lots of ideas. I mean, first one, I would say like, please, 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 any way you can like naps, nights in, a staycation of rest, Mm -hmm. you know, but like it's completely unsustainable to not find. And again, it could be diet. It could be, could be a lot of different things that are to the exhaustion besides just sleep. But, but then in like creating space for deep inquiry is something that deeply, deeply, deeply nourishes you. And I would say for probably most human beings, it's probably going to be nature, mm-hmm. you know. Well, as I, <laughs> uh, you know, hear you answering this question and, and kind of the previous one, um, what's kind of rattling around in my brain is like, you know, we all have things that we're curious about and that we're interested in. Right. And I, I feel like that's a good place to get started if you don't know what to Definitely. do. Is like, you know, what, whatever interest it is, sports or art or I don't know. Um, magic, exactly. magic tricks, like whatever that thing is. Whatever like, it is. That's a, that's kind of a way into, um, trying something like this out and finding yeah. out what it is that might, um, give you that, exactly. that relaxation. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, that <clears throat> Joseph Campbell quote, like follow your bliss and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, you don't have to wait for like ecstatic bliss. Mm-hmm. Can we follow your curiosity? But just, I I would say for me, I'm always like super reverent of the body because I feel like the body has so much intelligence. And so it's like write down 10 things that might be it and then notice which one you look at in your body like, Mm -hmm. like lights up and gets excited and follow that, follow that. I feel like those are like the, the breadcrumb clues yeah. For your soul path is that 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 excitement. One of my favorite people, um, Caroline Casey, she has a radio show um, in the Bay Area where I live. Talks about those interests that we have are kind of like the clues in the mystery novel that is our life. Yeah, exactly. And that those are things; those aren't just you know frivolous. Those are things worth following and worth pursuing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that, that occurred to me is like, you know, I'm interested in fitness and exercise and mm-hmm. sports and stuff like that. And everyone, um, every coach says the same exact thing, like how important recovery is. It's like, right. I think it's part of our culture to, you know, work really hard and try and get mm-hmm. the most out of every day and most of our, out of every workout. But it doesn't really do you any good if you're not rested and your body's not prepared to go for the next session. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's a kind of a universal thing and that we all need to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I, whenever I look at something, I love to look at it, how it shows up in the individual and how it shows up in the collective. So in the individual this exhaustion, I think, can be seen also in the collective as the lack of sustainable practices, mm. you know, where it's like this just thing of growth and doing and like in and when that is the focus without the honoring of reciprocity, of the feeling of relationships, of all these things, you know, the consequences of that are severe collectively but they're also severe individually. And, and so it's like, you just like looking at when people are super exhausted or they're not taking the time to tune into what's really true for them. The consequence of that is 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and I always feel like I would rather learn from things that I chose Like, I'd rather learn those lessons. Like, the hardest lessons for me are the relationships and the jobs and the things that, like, spiraled into destruction and felt wrong the whole time. Hmm. Because that's me, you know? That's, like, I had this opportunity to honor myself, to listen to myself, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that, for me, that's really painful. But the the ones where it was like okay i feel the call i'm going on this trip or i'm starting this business thing or you know i'm going to be courageous with this person and let's say it's spiraled out and it's like there's an acceptance that i have because that was my journey mm-hmm. and of course the other one's my journey too but it's again a, the journey from the perspective of the it was made from a place that didn't believe that there was space for my authenticity in the world mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't allow myself to believe that it was possible. Or, yeah, or going against some instinct. or feeling Yeah, exactly. Had. Yeah. Something that I'm really curious in exploring with this also is uh, spirituality. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering how you experience spirituality, if that's mm-hmm. what you call it and, or, mm-hmm. you know, that resonates with you. Yeah. Well, I feel like for me... Um, spirituality is those moments when I feel the sense of complete interconnection with all beings, with all life, with the past, the present, the future. So for me, spirituality is rooted in interconnectedness. And I, my favorite is when I feel that in my body and it's just like a deep exhale. And that's why I really love movement because, um, for me, there's so many inspiring spiritual ideas and those can definitely like direct us, but I'm super inspired by, um, the experiences that evoke our surrender to spirit where we might not have a narrative and it's more of a feeling and emerging with the pulse of life, the animating force that, that makes, you know, the, the trees grow and the dog's tail wag and the inhale and exhale go in and out. And, um, so, so for me, that's really my experience of spirituality is interconnection. And I think that that's also, you know, it's contrast would be the ego experience of life, which is of the survival of my individual identity. And so, yeah, I'm grateful for that because I need clothes. And again, that like ego identity is super functional, but it can be incredibly lonely, isolating, and um, just very untrue in the way that it cuts me off from the lineage of those that have been here before me, of those who are alongside me, of those who will come after me, that there's like an ever flowing river of life that if I feel connected to that, it's like the, the, 
capacity for connection and celebration and calling on resources of like, I'm not the first person to live a human experience. <laughs> it's mm. like, you know, is immense versus, you know, in the ego, it's like just such a trick. You can really feel like you're so alone. And, but it's like, look around, use your eyes, like read a survey. There's like 8 billion of us here. And you're not <laughs> alone. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so yeah, those, I mean, I guess like those are some of my, my first, um, what, what came through, but it's also, I mean, spirituality for me is the place where we start to get out of the compartmentalization of the ego mind and into the expansiveness and interconnection of, of life. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> um, do you have a way that you regularly, a regular practice that helps mm -hmm. bring you that feeling? I would say for me, my, my, like the core of what I do in the world and and, and share because they've been so meaningful to me are movement, ritual, community connection, and pilgrimage. Hmm. So for me, movement, it's like, it's the movement practice I do Koya, but it, anything, anything. Cause it's like, I really believe that so many things that we're talking about are completely dependent on embodiment. And I, our culture has come to a place where we've just become so cerebral and our ancestors didn't have lifestyles like this. They didn't have these sedentary lifestyles. So just in the physicality of their survival, they were staying more deeply connected. So movement is for me, like, like I can dance and for three minutes and instantly be in that cosmic place of, you know, of, of the pulse of life, a uh, ritual, the power of intention to honor the past, uh, to be grateful for what's present, to call in the vision of the future, to be in prayer. I feel like ritual is really important. And there's, you know, like some easy ways to do it are the new moon and the full moon, just to start like looking up at the sky, you know, new moon, set intentions for what you'd like to be new, full moon, celebrate what has come to fruition and making offerings back to the earth. So it could be like, you know, um, giving offerings back to the earth. So let's say like I have these flowers, but then, you know, I'll, instead of like throwing them away or putting them in compost, like I might go and make like an earth altar around a tree and put all the flowers around a tree and just say, thank you. Like, thank you to the trees and thank you to this and that. Um, but again, for me with ritual, I like to say like, there's not a wrong way to do it, but the way that opens your heart. Hmm. Community connection, like actually being with people you enjoy where you can be yourself, I think is like completely necessary on a spiritual path. Um, so those places where you have like lots of walls and filters, like do those less. <laughs> and the places where you can be yourself and explore your, your, yourself with honesty and conversation and connection with another human being, I'd say like do those more. The last one for me, and I would say has been the catalyst for every significant spiritual opening for me has been pilgrimage. So it's been, been like these places that called to me and the whole world said like, you can't do that. Like you can't go to Nepal and hike the Annapurna circuit, hmm. you know, like who can hike for 15 days? That's ridiculous. You're going to be away from your internet, you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> And it's like one of the best trips of my life or um, pilgrimage has been really important to me. And it's this place where I notice how I feel when I feel called to something. And then the whole trip, I like set an intention and it's like the whole trip, everything that happens and doesn't happen is like a conversation with God. Hmm. And that's like a Kurt Vonnegut quote, like travel, mm -hmm. travel is like dance lessons from God. Mm-hmm. And so it's just those places because when you get out of your expectation and the part of your mind that is future projecting, because that's how the mind works, it like takes information and then makes a guess of what it's going to be. So when you can get out of so much future projection and you can just be in the moment, I feel like that's, that's where the spiritual awakenings are really ripe. Of course, you don't need to do that. You could do it if you had like a really you know, wondrous perception. Mm -hmm. You can do it all day, every day, but travel is one of the easiest ways to bypass the parts of the mind that are trying to predict and control. Hmm. That's really interesting. I, I feel like I, 
that's not something that I've really heard. Mm-hmm. At least in the culture that I'm from, you mm-hmm. know, pilgrimage is, uh, it seems kind of like archaic. Yeah. Or, you know, out of old world. Old. Yeah. Old <laughs> or like something that only really religious people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds really wonderful the way that you, that you put it. And, uh, at least just being intentional and making space to have time to kind of explore yourself and explore right. life. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like for these trips, it's like, it can be your birthday trip, your anniversary trip, the, you know, like the, I quit my job trip, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like to commemorate it somehow by like going somewhere that calls to you on, on the deepest level of your being. And whether you want to call that spirit soul or call it nothing at all, but like the part of you that, that is like, you feel this magnetic tug because people, I travel so much and people always ask me like, where should I go? Should I go to India? Should I go to Africa? Should I go, where should I go in the Caribbean? And I'm like, you should go to the place that you feel called because mm. that's where your magic is. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be where I felt called. Well, that's like <laughs> a different level of traveling also, mm-hmm. you know, not just to kind of check off a, right. a list. It's more to explore and have a deeper experience, which is, I'm all for that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think those kinds of travel experiences are much more fulfilling and more interesting than just going to see something or right. to pass through. Um, well, and kind of jumping around a little bit, you know, I, I'm always surprised meeting people mm-hmm. like yourself who are like, so into the spirituality and intention and intuition and really kind of following your heart mm-hmm. in this authentic way. And I am always like curious, how, how did they get to be that way? Mm-hmm. Did you grow up like this? Did anyone teach you, oh, it's show so you the way how to do this? Um, I feel like someone was saying to someone like, oh, kids these days, they grow up in front of screens and Uh all these things. And I was like, I was raised in front of a television. (laughs) I drank like 10 cans of pop a day. (laughs) I don't think I had a glass of water till I was 19 years old. Like I was not initiated into a path of spirituality or health. Mm -hmm. But um, I did read a book when I was like, I guess it was like 18, 19 years old. And it was called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And the premise of the book ended with the world, the universe conspires on your behalf, like when you follow your heart. And so that was the moment where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like do an experiment for like three, six months and see if that feels true. And if it does, great, because I I prefer to live that way. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, I'll reassess. But I like I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first decisions I needed to make was about college. And I grew up as a dancer and I really wanted to go to college, but I was being financially cut off from my family. So Mm. I was going to have to pay for it. And so everyone's like, that's a horrible decision. If you want to dance, you should go to a dance company. You don't go to college and take out all this debt for a dance degree. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, and I was like, well, I can't not dance and I want to go to college. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And I did, and I just followed my heart, and it didn't make any sense financially or academically in many ways. But is what ended up happening is I ended up getting a partial dance scholarship. Hmm. But it didn't happen until six months after I was there, and they had seen me, and I had all this passion for dancing. And so, so it was one of those examples where it's like I got this huge, big blessing from following my heart, mm-hmm. even though it didn't linearly make sense. And then everyone, at the same time, everyone was right. And I did end up changing my major and doing something more (laughs) academic that incorporated dance where I was able to keep my scholarship. Mm -hmm. So, but it was like, I didn't, I I was able to stay true to myself. And it was such a powerful example of that as that unfolded that I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay with the experiment. So now it's been like 20 years of that experiment, but that's how it started for me. And It, it was really all just from that book. Yeah. So I, I mean, heard you mention that before in other yeah. interviews and I was like, really? Like that's, I mean, that's pretty monumental, you know? <laughs> it is. I mean, a lot of people have been moved by that book, but I think for me, I've always been like evidence-based driven, but the experiment of one, mm-hmm. you know, right? it's like, does it work for me? Like, mm-hmm. do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel 
You know, do I feel a sense of enchantment with the world? Do I feel like I'm able to pay my bills? Do I feel like, you know, I'm meeting people that I love to be around? You know, whatever is important to me or whoever's listening and you're asking these questions for yourself, like, does it work for you? And so for me, so, so much of this is remembering the essence of who we are, which is this infinite soul that's taking residence in a human body. So it's like, how that's always changing. So how do you merge the remembering of who you are into this world? Hmm. And isn't that a fun experiment? (laughs) You know, and isn't that I mean, like, if you really pull your perspective back, isn't that the whole point? I mean, like, when you leave here, you don't, I'm pretty sure you don't take your bank account (laughs) and you don't take, you know, all the material possessions. But, like, if the soul, you know, depending on whatever each person's belief is, but if the soul continues, then wouldn't honoring soul be one of the priorities of incarnation? And, and can we correct the, the egoic compartmentalization, either or thinking to be like, you can have both. So I feel like, you know, to follow my heart and the world will conspire on my behalf for me in that book is like, you know, am I going to be supported to survive and thrive that it's like, not like I'm just going to follow my heart. Like is my, my heart's not going to lead me into like you know, like I have no money and I can't play guitar, but it's my dream. And I sit on the corner, you know, it's like, right. The heart just doesn't have those conversations. That's, <laughs> that's a mental thing. Right. Um, which is an important distinction. Um, I also love how you, I've, and other things that I, <laughs> I heard before, um, you have a great way of like kind of using this linear logic of like, yes, if, if you believe that we are a soul, like what you just said, mm-hmm. then wouldn't it make sense to kind of live mm-hmm. from that place now mm-hmm. and it's it's such like a it's so um useful and practical and, and kind of obvious mm-hmm. once you hear mm-hmm. somebody say that it's like oh right like <laughs> yeah you know it's like something that we kind of you know compartmentalize in a way and don't realize like um that it's possible i guess mm-hmm. so just hearing kind of logically yeah line that up it's like oh yeah yeah that that's that might be a good way to at least, you know, put some attention in life. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, if, if that word or that belief mm. doesn't resonate with someone, someone that, that there's still another way, like that you can kind of explain that with different mm. words that exactly kind of means something similar. Like, you know, you still have this kind of internal experience. So if you would, you know, if you can, like, wouldn't it make more sense to honor that and, in a way, mm-hmm. and honor what's coming from within you rather than kind of slapping things on from the outside. Right. Um, were there any other times in the beginning or afterwards kind of following your heart and, mm-hmm. and um, trusting in yourself in that way after reading The Alchemist that um, were challenging or affirming? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All the time. All of them. I mean, I feel like myself and everyone that I know on this path, the moral of the story often comes back to trust yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And so did I make a bunch of decisions where I went against my intuition, went against what felt right in my body? Yes. Why did I do that? Because I thought I was going to get something that I really wanted. Did I get it? Maybe for a short amount of time. Were there consequences? Yeah. Was that painful? Very. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you know, part of it is to forgive myself and have compassion because it's like, we're, we're here, we're learning and growing. And, you know, I think the point I often think of like from the mind, the mind can really fear failure, but it's like, I think the intention of the soul is really to learn and grow. So I think there's a part of the soul that actually savors the opportunity to learn and grow I think that would be like if I was an infinite soul and I wanted to incarnate, I probably would do it for the experience. Like there's a part of me that would want to have a full range of life experience instead of, instead of just one. So yeah, I mean, just so much, 
I mean, for me, I wrote a whole book about it. It's like Rochelle's dating disasters that led to her <laughs> spiritual awakening. <laughs> because that was just the place for me where I would go against what felt true. And it just really, you know, was so painful. But it's like after each one of those breakups, I got more courageous to like travel further into the jungle or higher to the Himalayas. And, you know, it's like the resilient bounce back was... Mm-hmm. was such a such a thrill to remember myself after forgetting myself. So it's all valuable if we are willing to look for the value mm-hmm. and those pain points, you know, they, of course they were there. And I think the biggest celebration is now I'm coming to the 10-year anniversary of the work that I do called Koya. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a few things that it's like, yeah, it's not that big in the sense that, you know, it's not Zumba, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I know the, I have a friend who works with the investment firm that Zumba got its investment for. So I have like a background knowledge of that. And, um, and I think the thing that's interesting for me is like, um, I wrote a book I mentioned, but I self-published it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, versus I wasn't published. So there's this like internal validation But then there's also like I, a lot of my friends are published authors and they had to really struggle with their creative license. A lot of those contracts went bad because it was like, I can't put my name on this. This isn't what I did. Some of them went really well, but they get such a small percentage of options. So I made like a lot more money self-publishing my book, but I didn't get that accreditation of being published, but I maintained this the thing that I'm talking about, the whole part of the book and the whole part of this podcast Mm. is my authenticity, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and so Koya right now, there's about maybe, you know, somewhere around like 400, 500 teachers in 20 countries. So it's one of those things where it's not so big, but it's not so small either. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who are creating the subculture of like deeply honoring their truth. Mm -hmm. Well, quality, not, yeah. Quantity. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And in, in the kind of work experiences I have, it's always a question like, or it's, it's just sort of like a thing that our culture, I think, expects is to grow and get bigger. But it's not always a wise choice to do that, you know, based on what you want and mm-hmm. what's good for your business and what's, what makes kind of smart business sense. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. The, one of the founding principles for me when I was starting my business was um, speaking with a mentor and he said, like, listen, I've been doing this for like 30, 40 years. And the position he was in, he was like, I've sat down and had lunch with probably every single spiritual teacher. So he's like, I'm going to tell you like the two things to help you as you get started. Mm-hmm. And he was like, instead of trying to make it bigger, try to make it deeper. Hmm. he's like, you know, if you get the opportunity to actually be with another human being, like take it as deep as you can. And if it actually helps people that actually supports them on their journey, it will grow organically at the rate at which other people can hold it with you. He's like, versus if you just have like one good idea and you just try to make it really big right away and you compromise the depth and then all of a sudden you have all these people, but you don't have the people that have had like that, that soulful initiation where they really believe in something. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I did. I never did any marketing. I never tried to make it bigger. I just kept trying to really offer something that was, that had depth in it to the people that came. The second thing he said, which has been a thread through our conversation, is don't compromise your lifestyle. Hmm. He's like, the second you have to, like if I'm having this interview with you, but I don't have the spaciousness for my own sleep, I don't have time (laughs) to connect with nature, I'm not moving my body, I'm not taking time to go on pilgrimages that feed and nourish my soul, well then, you know, then I've become a talking head and not the embodiment of my work. And so he's like, just don't let it get bigger that where you lose your lifestyle because the lifestyle that you have allows you to be connected in a way to share and support other people in their remembering and their path of what's most important to them. Great advice. It was. I'm very grateful. (laughs) It really like course corrected me from the beginning. I think that's good life advice in general. Yeah. 
Um, well, that leads me to my next question, which is how do you stay motivated during all this? Like, is there some measure of feedback that you get that's kind of, that's helpful for that? Or does it all come from within or, you know, what's your relationship to that? Yeah, that's a great question because I feel like as much as I talk about internal validation being important, it's the external validation is obviously very important and the feedback from others and to have a sense that what you're doing has meaning and purpose for someone besides just you, you know, it's like as much as we talk about honoring self, it's like we also want to like curb the narcissistic tendencies. <laughs> so, so, um, but one of my favorite quotes is by um, um, Alberto Villalodo, who's the founder of the Four Wind Society. And he just says like, validation is best when it affirms something already internally held. Hmm. So, you know, there's a difference between like seeking external validation to fill a void of self worth mm-hmm. and like holding something internally and then receiving the accolades or the mirroring or the appreciation for what you've done. And so for me, the answer to your question is the motivation is like looking in people's eyes and seeing them come back to themselves. Mm. You know, I always feel like, you know, like TV movies. I was like the best show on the, on the planet is a human being that remembers who they are. Mm. Like, and then like reconnects to the essence of their life. And then to imagine, like sometimes I'm lucky enough to see, but sometimes, you know, just to imagine how, how that ripples out with every interaction that they have with their family, with their work. So for me, like I'm so motivated by encouraging people to honor themselves because it's like, it just, it, it fills me. It so fills me. And I think anyone listening to this, it's like, if you can think about the people that, that you most enjoy being around, you know, it's, it's, it's oftentimes those people that have learned how to drink from their own spirits well. And, and then they're like, let's have a party. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's this, there's this effervescence that when, when we connect to ourselves, just the, the connection with everything improves with people, with the planet, with nature, with the moment. It, it all, it all gets magnified and gets more motivating. And so, you know, we, 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 we come to this work for whatever reasons we come, sometimes it's trauma, sometimes um, it's a soul call, sometimes, you know, there's a million different ways that we can get here. But like when, when we come to this place and we step into the center of our self, of our soul, and we embody it and we share it, and again, that looping it back, my definition of success, mm-hmm. it's like that's just a gift we give the world. Mm-hmm. Cause we don't, we're not, we're not asking the world and needing something from it. Like, like we're, we want to give too. Like there's, I'm, I'm having this, it keeps coming up and so I'll just share it. But I, I have like a, an ex-boyfriend who has so much money. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like an entrepreneur and he does all the things and, you know, and he's all these women around him. And like, we broke up so long ago and he'll still like reach out to me. And like, and I'm just like the thing that you want, like you can only get from yourself, you know, that, like that, that, that grabbing for something external, like it's, it's something like, you're not going to get it from me. I don't respond to your emails, (laughs) but it's, it's just that archetype of, of, of when we're able to, to touch in with ourselves. That's just a gift that we give. And when we're, and when we don't make that time for ourselves, it can be, life can be more challenging, but also there's just a way in which that we can really take from the world, um, without, um, the reciprocity of giving, mm-hmm. which just, then it kind of layers and then that hurts. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I went on a tangent there, but well, what it sounds like, what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like kind of recapping all the things that right. we've, we've talked about. You know, if you kind of have this intention and you're being authentic and you're following your heart in whatever capacity you can do, 
it that is the feedback that gives you kind of the fulfillment in your life right to kind of give you the energy to keep going and mm -hmm. to be more open to what it is that you're passionate about or what you want to create for your life um and then you have kind of this extra to give back to others right. which i feel like i have personal experience of mm -hmm. um which is when i'm feeling um really energized and grounded and centered within myself i have noticed recently that that's when i feel more able to reach out to other people it that's when i'm thinking of other people right. that's when I, I feel like i have the capacity to kind of include others in my life more which feels really good because you know um i for for I don't know, the majority of the time, I feel like this is a relatively recent phenomenon in my life. Um, you know, it, it was often hard for me to, um, to include others in that way and kind mm -hmm. of make space for them. Mm -hmm. And so just having the, the experience of like the other end of the spectrum from that, um, it's like, oh, I, I feel more generous when I kind of have the space within myself to do that. And, uh, that's kind of what I'm, hoping to create with this and, you know, asking people how they do that in their right. life, you know, is how can you kind of bring those elements into your own life so that you um, are lit up by the things that you do and you ha you're, you're kind of feeding your, your own mm -hmm. fire and mm -hmm. then you can share that with other people. Mm -hmm. I uh, love that. I completely agree. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of like stepping back a little bit though like so let's kind of go back to the beginning and and uh um whether it be like a spiritual practice or a creative practice or, mm -hmm. or something that somebody wants to is drawn to and wants to practice at mm -hmm. do you have a any kind of advice on um what sort of motive or like how to stay motivated or what kind of feedback they should be looking for or mm -hmm. what to focus on in that thing because i know personally it's like we're we're told like okay meditate every day and it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to get out of this sometimes right. yeah it feels good but it's like i don't know what's happening mm -hmm. you know yeah it's exactly well i have some like very uncommon opinions about this <laughs> so a lot of people go the discipline structure route like you have to do it every day at the mm -hmm. same time and da, 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 da. and i don't believe that at all um i really believe that it's like you do something every day. But I feel like the discipline is to do something every day. And then the authenticity is to do what feels right in that moment. Mm. And then if you don't feel like you have the capacity to choose something ahead of time, something I'll encourage people to do is like write down 20 or 30 things that would be like, you know, and it's like if this is for deepening your spiritual practice or or whatever the context is. And it's like, it could be like, take a bath, go for a nature walk, go to the gym, take a yoga class, um, um, go to the farmer's market and make like the super healthy meal, um, write thank you letters to five people. You know, I'm just doing like my sure. stream of consciousness list, but everyone would have their own list. And then you just make time every day to do it. I always think when you're trying to do these things, the, the first part of the day is the easiest because otherwise you just get busy and, you know, so it's like just starting your day and, um, and then just, I always say then notice how you feel and then make your decisions from that feeling place. Like I used to be a personal trainer like 15 years ago and people would come in and they mentally want to be like, I want to work out three times a week or I can only, I only have time to work out one time a week or I want to do every day, blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, let's not even talk about it. Let's just work out and then notice how you feel. And then from that place of how you feel, like how often do you want to feel like this? Hmm. So like you're not making it from this place of your mind of what you should be doing. Hmm. And then if you're not doing it, you've somehow messed up but you're having an experience and from noticing that something has really nourished you, inspired you, fed you, like lit your soul fire, you're like, oh, I'm making a conscious choice. This is the, this is how I want to feel. And I'm investing in how I want to feel. And I think it's just, it's, I think you're going to have a lot more success when you're making the decision from a place 
of something that truly nourishes you and feels good than what your mind thinks you should be doing. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good, you know, to just have that little perspective shift right. and, and like, you know, don't make it work or don't make it a chore, but make it something that you look forward to and that you, right. you want to create. Rather exactly. than like, uh, yeah. I want to get healthy, but I have to do this thing, you know. Exactly. Then, it, then it's the story that you're telling yourself is just not really helpful. Well, it's just so common to, to struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's something too, some other advice I got, like if there's something you really, really want to do and you're totally avoiding it, like you haven't made it fun yet, mm. you know? And so I remember when that idea came to me, I like needed to do my taxes. Like a lot of people put off their taxes and it was like, okay, um, I'm going to make this fun. And so it was like, I went to the bank and got like a thousand dollars of cash and like made a circle around my desk. (laughs) And then I like put on a green outfit and then I made a money playlist and then I ordered green curry. Like I was like, just, I, you know, I was just like, you know, it was like ridiculous and silly, but it was like, I got my taxes done and I shifted the energy and, you know, finding that, that place of, of play and as we, we do that for ourselves individually, but then again, it's like, then if we can start to do that in our relationships and our jobs, it's like everyone's so serious and so much suffering. And mm. it is really like a, a potential switch of, um, our perception. You know, it's like, I, I just think of the Dalai Lama is like always giggling, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like our, our world, one of our world's spiritual icons is like, you know, there's a cosmic joke that's happening. Let's not. Yeah, let's, emulate that. Yeah. Let's get in on the joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I guess we're kind of nearing the end, but um, something I've heard you say before is that gratitude is a superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering how you practice gratitude and also like what that feels like and in the moments where you're not feeling very grateful and you're not feeling very mm-hmm. jazzed about thing, <laughs> things, like how can you invoke that in yourself mm-hmm. and does and is it really still authentic when you're right totally you know? yeah because it's like you don't want your gratitude list to be like your grocery list like <laughs> i'm grateful for my car i'm grateful for my job <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so for me i i start each day where i wake up and then i turn over and i go into child's pose and i think of but more i try to feel 10 things that I'm grateful for that are present in my life. And I count them on all 10 fingers and start the day that way. Also stretching out my lower back. <laughs> mm. nice. um, so, so that's one thing. Um, I feel like, you know, there, there is so much talk about gratitude, which is really fantastic, but it, if it's just an idea and not really felt, it doesn't really work. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So for me, something I really love to do are gratitude rituals, um, inspired by my time in Peru of despacho ceremonies, where it's making an offering back to life and just taking time to really, to really say thank you and then making a gift to the water or the earth or the fire and, um, making those prayers visible. So I'll get flowers and sugar and, um, you know, coffee and beans and things like that. That's something that I, that, that I like to do. Um, I think thank you cards are also really amazing. Like if you just set an intention to write one thank you card a day mm. and just reach it. Cause we all receive so many gifts every day. And, um, whether it's like someone in your family or someone had you over for dinner, but just that time and in that thank you to really appreciate them and, and like deepening that human connection is really, and like people love mail. It's like we get so much email, but I mean, it could be a text, you know, you Mm -hmm. can choose, but I I do find that that's a practice that I have where I try to send thank you cards. And and it's like, of course, I want to appreciate the people around me, but like, it also feels so good for me to be in the celebration of how much an awareness of how much I do receive and that I'm given. And when it's difficult you know, sometimes it's like a trick. It's like, okay, I really, I'm not, I'm not into what's happening. I'm super annoyed. I'm pissed off. But if I was grateful for this, I would be grateful because, Hmm. you know? And so I feel like there was something recently where it's like, I'm so annoyed, 
oh, why is this person doing this thing? <laughs> and then it was like, okay, what if I was grateful for this? And I was like, well, if I was grateful for this, it would be that I'm putting way too much attention on this person. And the whole reason this person is upsetting me in the first place is because I'm not really taking care of myself. Like I need, I just need time. I just need like an afternoon. I need to like, you know, I'm, I'm becoming super dependent on someone else giving me something that, that I need. And so it's like, I think the thing for me is like, notice how you feel and honor how you feel. Don't pretend that you feel differently. So like if you're upset and you're not grateful, then fine. That's totally fine. Um, but if you want to shift it, what's the deeper question? So it's not like, oh, I'm not grateful for this annoying situation, but like, what is it showing me? And what is it showing me that I have the capacity to change and alter, which is always going to be myself. So like, I can't change everyone else, but someone's other behavior can, is probably illuminating something in myself. Mm. You know, if I'm aware of projection. <laughs> and for those of us that aren't aware of projection it's the idea when it's too painful to look at yourself that you project um, those ideas onto someone else and then you judge them so it's like anytime you're upset with someone else it's just it it's just it's just the willingness to look it doesn't it does, it's not always so simple mm -hmm. like there there's definitely nuances and subtleties here but you know, are you willing to look at the place inside of yourself that, that might be in the dance with this external thing? And then are you willing to, to look at it in a way where you can have some healing? So for me, I really believe gratitude is a superpower because it's the consciousness of acceptance and all that is. And, and again, but it's like, it doesn't make sense mentally. There's so many, there's such a long list that I could give you of atrocities in this world to never be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't want to fight the perspective that we should <laughs> mm -hmm. at the same time, there is a feeling of coming into a place that is a trust, a surrender, um, uh, a momentary oneness and, and I feel like gratitude is one of the places that allows us to en enter in that door. But it's a feeling, not a thought for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate uh, to kind of flip it around and say, trick yourself, you know. Yeah. If I were grateful. Because then that's sort of like that that uh, that um, diffuses your projection too. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm, this is what I need to do for myself. And it's actually not that bad. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, so much of this stuff, it's like, come on, reality check, you know, we're mm -hmm. so, we're so blessed. And, mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, what are we going to do with that, that opportunity of the blessings that we have? Are we just going to linger in, in our sadness? Are we going to? Make the most of this. Let's, if we're going to be here, let's be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one other thing that I've, I heard you mention um, that you like to put your music on shuffle and dance yes. to whatever comes up. And I've, I've dubbed that the divine shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, maybe you can just explain it for. Okay. Awesome. For yeah. So this is one of my favorite things to do um, to get insight to, to notice how I feel and to also be in conversation with the divine, which is you take your music. It could be all the songs. It could be a playlist and you ask a question and then you press shuffle and whatever song comes, you move to that song. And so it might be the musicality of the song that has a message. It might be the lyrics very literally. It might be the noticing of how you feel. Um, but whether you're making a decision around something in your life, um, if you're a writer, it's a great way. Like if you have a question about something you want to write about um, or a creative project, 
Um, I've worked with like companies who are like mm. trying to name things, like a clothing line that wants to name things. Like, let's put the songs on shuffle and everybody dance and put the clothes on. And like, <laughs> and like, and the, these, just these creative ideas can come bubbling through. So it's a great way to, to have some spontaneity and evoke some what is authentic in this moment and, and be in that dance of like, Noticing if you don't like the song, you know, can you still dance with it? You know, just because you don't like the weather today, can you still, you know, breathe the air? Mm. <laughs> so, and then when you do like the song, can you savor that excitement? But it's, it's, it's all becomes, um, a really simple way to reconnect sometimes if you feel disconnected. Awesome. Well, I think that's a, Great piece to end on. Mm -hmm. um, thanks so much for taking the time. It was really wonderful to talk to you and mm. hear your wisdom. Well, my pleasure. And thank you for doing this and offering it to people. I'm, I know that you and I are not alone in our inquiry and our questions. And so a big gratitude to everyone that's listening and the courage to live into your path and offering a blessing that in the ways that that you feel inspired and called to continue to explore and embody that path of authenticity and success in the way that it means to you that may you be blessed and may there be synchronicities and may all that you are feeling called to, um, may you feel, uh, it's like I'm getting an image, so I'm trying to translate it into words, but it's, it's like the, that Rumi quote, like everything that you're seeking is seeking you. Mm. So it's like as much as you feel this call for whatever success is to you to just also feel that that, that part is also calling you. Like it wants, it wants that soulful reunion of recognition and embodiment and celebration and harvest. So you're not alone in the wanting. Wonderful. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Wow, what an amazingly rich conversation that was. Before I sign off here, I wanted to recap a couple of things. I don't think it can be said enough how important rest and recovery are. That doesn't just mean sleep, but could also include more active recovery. For example, I tend to default to TV and interneting when I've had a long day and want to do nothing, which is fine sometimes, but I notice they don't really help me recharge, and in fact, they leave me more tired. However, doing something like drawing or playing music for me are more regenerative. This really could be anything and most definitely can include other people. Find what works for you. As Rochelle says, what really nourishes you? Thanks so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. See you next time.